0: Well, we're going to continue our trek down through history. We began with the 10 time periods that divide up the Old Testament. And I'm going to go as quickly as I can and cover as much material as I can to get us through not just the Old Testament as we did last night, but to go to that intertestamental period, which is so very important for understanding the Bible, specifically the New Testament and the birth of Christ. Now, I've done two or three podcasts on the fullness of time and that intertestamental period, but what I want to do is look at it from a historical standpoint, from a kingdom standpoint. The book of Daniel deals with this extensively in Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7, and then later in the closing chapters of Daniel's book, he deals with it in more specifics. But from the time of Daniel onward, there were only four kingdoms that were going to rise upon the earth, great kingdoms, We will go over those in just a moment, but I just want you to understand that you will never understand biblical prophecy if you don't understand world kingdoms. So this is very important because what I'm going to say might sound like heresy, but it's not, but there's more to the Bible than just the gospel. Now, I know that people are making much out of that today and praise God finally we are doing that and dealing with the gospel according to the New Testament the gospel of repentance and trusting Jesus alone to save you, justification by faith, all of those things are the great cardinal doctrines of the New Testament era and of the New Testament church, but there is more to understanding who God is than just the gospel you see there is a story that got us to the gospel, there is a story after the gospel, yes it is the central message and Jesus is the central figure of the revelation of God to man in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily in him. We have God incarnate God becoming man to where we have all God and all man in one being, all of that theology is there, but please understand, we have an entire Bible, 66 books in our English Bibles And as we go through these historical time periods, I want you to understand I have a purpose in this. It's not just rattling off history. As I do these podcasts, some of you have actually watched me do the podcast. And what I do is I just have an open Bible if we're dealing with a text or if we're dealing with history. I don't necessarily have notes. I just speak out of my heart. And the reason is, is because this has become a part of who I am. And the reason is, is because it's the story of God that we have to learn to pass on to others. You must remember that Moses was not around during the days of the creation. He was not there during the days of the flood. He was not there during the days of the call of Abraham and the patriarchs. He came along only 1,500 years before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And I say that that's a long time, but you need to understand that before the word of God was written down, the Torah, the book of instruction. Was written down. It was all handed down in story form, verbally, some writings and so forth, just like Luke took other people's writings that God weaved into the inspired word of God, so Moses did as well. There's no doubt about that. And I'm not talking about some crazy documentary hypothesis and some Velhausen and some kind of German theology that tries to disprove the miracles of the Bible. No, I'm not talking about any of that. I believe the Bible is the word of God from cover to cover, but I do believe it is his story. God didn't mechanically dictate everything out, but he prepared the authors, he prepared the writers, he prepared their minds because everyone wrote from a different standpoint and it was God's standpoint. By the way, if God is sovereign and God can do that, he doesn't have to dictate it. He can prepare a person and prepare them with the intellectual ability they need and with the writing style that they need, their viewpoint of life, all of those things. God is sovereign. And so because of that, he superintends what is written down so that what they write down are not just the thoughts of God, but the very words of God. And that is in the language of theology, that is verbal inspiration. God verbalized his words, but Jesus is the living word whereas the Bible is the written word. And so as we go through historical time periods, what we're trying to do is help you to understand the historical context because God didn't do things in a time vacuum. He did things on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose, and he was going somewhere. God is not cyclical in the sense of going round and round. We're not Disney Lion King theology here. This is not Star Wars. We're not studying Hinduism. We're studying the. World. Words of God, and God is linear. He's going somewhere. He started time, He's going to end time. And in between, He's going to tell His story and do the redemptive work that He ordained before time ever was, before the world was ever created. God knew what He was going to do. Why? Because He's God. How? Because He's God. He's supernatural. Our finite, limited minds cannot grasp infinity and the transcendency that God is. And so what I want to do is I want to go back and I gave you the 10 time periods. You can go back and listen to those again. But I want to go back to the Babylonian captivity because that's where we'll pick up on the Babylonian empire. When you read Daniel chapter 2 and you read Daniel chapter 7, you have four kingdoms that are presented that will be all the way till the Messianic age and the coming of Messiah, and the time period that we are in right now was just a great valley that there was no essence of time in Daniel's mind. He just saw the mountain peaks. He could not see the intervening valleys. By that, I mean, if I could just paint a word picture for you, I used to live, my wife and I did, and our children We lived in Waynesville, North Carolina, and I would go up on top of the Blue Ridge Parkway, and the highest point is in Haywood County, which is the county in which Waynesville, Maggie Valley, that whole area is. Balsam Gap is the border between two counties, and that's where the Blue Ridge Parkway goes up. And I lived very close to the Balsam Gap, so we were already up 2,500 to 3,000 feet so it's over 6,000 feet is the highest point on the Blue Ridge Parkway. And many times I would go up there to get away in the wintertime when they didn't have it shut down. You could go up there and there's no one up there. And so it's absolutely beautiful and quiet. You could think and pray and read. And that's what I did. But many times on a clear day, you could see when the sun was behind you, you could see the valley that was just right below you. And then there would be another peak and you could see some of the valley because you were up so high, you could see some of the valley, but you could not see the floor of the vast. So you didn't know what was going on down there, but then you would see another peak and another peak, and another peak. And those ridges or those mountain peaks got more distant, but it was an optical illusion. It seemed like they got closer together and you could not see anything but the ridge peaks. Now that's what Daniel was doing. He could see the Babylonian empire. He could see the Persian empire. He could see the Greek empire. He could see the Roman empire. And he didn't name those because there were substances. For instance, in the great Colossus of chapter two of Daniel. Then you had a head of gold. You had arms and chest of silver and the abdomen and the thighs and the feet. As you made your way down to the feet, the material degraded in value, but in strength it increased. That's why you had this iron, this figure of iron, and then clay and iron that doesn't mix would eventually bring down that great colossus. But that's the way that Nebuchadnezzar looked at the world kingdoms. That's the way man views the world kingdoms as a great colossus. Man is this giant figure, the center of everything. It's what we call humanism in philosophy simply because it is man at the center of everything. Man is the the arbiter of what's right and wrong. And that's the great sin of America today. And the great idolatry of uh, America today is that man is the chief of everything. And he's the arbiter of what's wrong and what's right. And you'd be surprised how many people in your own family believe that. They believe the Bible until it comes down to something personal to them. And then they'll just say, well, I just don't believe that's right. Or I don't believe that's wrong. Why not? Well, I know what the Bible says, but I call those billy goat Christians because they're always going around button everything. And so that's the whole concept here. You see, the word of God is the word of God and it's right and it's absolute no matter who it affects or what it affects. And so this great colossus represented humanism. But in chapter seven, Daniel saw these figures of wild beast. That's God's viewpoint of world kingdoms where man is really showing himself for who he is as the great wild beast. These kingdoms of the earth and you can read about those in Daniel chapter 7 and so I went through the restoration from the Babylonian exile and captivity last night but I want to go back and talk about Babylon and start there you see the great Assyrian empire was the empire that came in 722 and decimated the northern kingdom they came down you'll recall surrounded Jerusalem and God sent them home 186 thousand crack Assyrians Troops were killed in one night, and they went home like whipped pups. Because Hezekiah prayed and sought the face of God, and God heard him and answered his prayer. And you'll remember Isaiah said, "Not one arrow will be fired in here." And exactly that's what happened. And so you can read about that in the Book of Isaiah and the Samuel Kings and Chronicles material. Actually, the Kings and Chronicles material about what happened there. But the Assyrians, they had their great empire capital in Nineveh, and you'll. Recall That's where Jonah went. And there was a great revival that took place that postponed the judgment of God for more than a century. Now, think about this. Even Nineveh, as wicked and ungodly as it is, and if you've never read some of the annals of uh, Assyrian history, you should do it, because let me tell you, these were wicked, ungodly people. This gives me hope for America. It really does, because God is a merciful God, and the Assyrians, because they repented, they didn't stop the judgment of God, because the wages of sin is death. Uh, Be not deceived, God is not mocked whatsoever. A person, a man, a woman sows, that will they also reap, Or so will nations. But righteousness postpones judgment. This is what God was trying to teach Abraham and Sodom and Gomorrah. If he could find just 10 righteous, he would spare the city. During the days of the exodus... You'll recall God told Abraham, he said, your seeds are going to go down into a foreign land. We know that was Egypt and they'll be there for 400 years. And then I'll bring them out with a strong and mighty hand. And then in chapter 15, he gives the reasons why they're going to be there for 400 years. He said, because the iniquity, the sin of the Amorites is not reached its final point yet. Now, the Amorites were more ungodly because that was a general name for all of the wickedness and all the people that were in Canaan and the surrounding countryside there. And so God said, they're wicked, but I'm going to give them 400 more years. Now, that's amazing to me. It's the mercy, the long suffering of our God. And during the days of Jonah, remember, Jonah didn't even want to go because he said, if I go and preach, you We'll spare them. And you remember he pouted after God sent the greatest revival in the entire Old Testament spared that city for another couple hundred years at least. And so Nineveh did not fall until 612 B.C., and that's when Neboplaser, the father of Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar went in, and they were able to overthrow the Assyrians. And then after the Battle of Carchemish, they were in firm control, and the Assyrian scattering was pretty well accomplished at that point. And so from 612 12 all the way down to 539, the kingdom of Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar and his father Nebuchadnezzar and his son were the great leaders of that era. And for that period of time, it wasn't long, it was less than 100 years, but Babylon, God said through Daniel, you are the greatest kingdom. You are the greatest of all of these kingdoms, and they're going to become inferior after you. They're going to have great strong points, and they're going to have great wonder and splendor, but they're going to be inferior to you. And so the Persians came along, Cyrus, the great King Cyrus, and Darius the Mede, you read about him, and Darius one, Darius two. all of these various emanations of family being named. It's hard to keep up with some of this stuff sometimes, but it's very important because God was going somewhere with this. I mean, just at the right time, the Persians took over. And just at the right time, Cyrus was raised up. As a matter of fact, 200 years before Cyrus was ever born, Isaiah called him by name. So much so does this give problems to liberal theologians that they said that had to be a deutero or a third Isaiah, because surely no person that would, I mean, for Isaiah to have named Cyrus by name 200 years before he was on the earth, well, that'd have to be supernatural. Well, it was. That's what prophecy is. It is recording history before it happens. History is God's story, and prophecy is nothing more than history written in advance. So you have the Babylonian kingdom that went from 612 all the way down to 539. The Persian kingdom was after Babylon. They conquered Babylon. And Cyrus and his, the Persians, which are not Arab people. They are Persian people. It's a different DNA. Brilliant, smart, wonderful people. And they've been hijacked now by radical Islam. But I'm just telling you, the Persian people... Some of the greatest people I know on all the earth are Persian people, just like the Arabs. Many of the Arabs are, they're some of the greatest people I've ever known in my life. But we just sweep them all in to wickedness and condemn a whole people just because of a religion that has come in and hijacked a wonderful people. And so the Persian empire was from 539 all the way down to 333. And that's when Alexander the Great was raised up in what is modern day Macedonia. We'll talk about him tomorrow. I just looked at it's 18 minutes into this. I'm so sorry I did not get farther along. Hopefully this has been a blessing to you. For on the way this is Tony Chris.